Ryan Dixon and Rory Boylan host Tape to Tape, the hockey podcast by Sportsnet. Welcome to Tape to Tape, T2T. I'm Ryan Dixon. I am a writer for Sportsnet.ca. With me in the booth, as always, Sportsnet's NHL editor, Rory Boylan. Okay, Ryan. So how did the Galaxy Troopers beer league team do this weekend? New season? New season kicked off. Our summer season, as I teased the listeners, though, concluded uh, last week. I was all excited after our semifinal win. I should have known better. That was... That was the last high we experienced. Crushing defeat in the final 3-1 loss. The old got down early. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take much for a little uh, discouragement to creep in. But hey, we fought back. 3-1 game. Nothing to be uh, ashamed of. But yes, we have already dropped our season opener for the winter. But the good news, I am already even in my football pick'em pool. Nice. Week two winner. Got my 50 bucks back already. I'm playing loose the rest of the year. <laughs> I'm I'm a Josh Gordon owner myself. So even though I'm a New York Jets fan, I am rooting this on big time that he's going to the Patriots. Can maybe this can pay off for me. Maybe I should just trade him or, or anything like that. <laughs> Hockey related. I'm not playing beer league, as I mentioned on last week's show this year. But I'm going to be looking forward to giving everybody updates as I've been tasked with teaching my four-year-old nephew how to skate this Uh winter. I took him out once last year to uh, the the rink that my dad builds every year. And he didn't even have interest. He was so excited about getting out there. And then once he got out there, he had no interest in standing up on his own. So this is going to be interesting to see this play out. Through the winter. Our very own Barb <laughs> Underhill right here yeah. uh, in the TTT booth. Also coming into the booth today, our old friend Nick Alberga. Nick, of course, is... It's a revenge one... show, I guess yeah, you could say. Is. He's a big uh, revenge guy. All... <laughs> Nick loves his revenge <laughs> games, as anyone who listens to Sirius XM NHL would know. He is a host on there and, of course, also joins Rory. We'll join him again this season, as uh, he did last year. On Hockey Central Saturday on the Sportsnet Radio Network, Nick, never short on takes. He's going to give us some of the guys you should be taking in your fantasy drafts, which are all creeping up. So we're going to talk to Nick about, you know, some deep cuts and stay aways and just in general, get his sense for what he thinks 1819 will look like. That's on the Second half of the show to kick things off here, though, Rory, you and I are going to talk a little uh, Eric Carlson. We're also going to do uh, intro a new very special segment. But let's start there with Carlson. We haven't been on the T2T mics since the Senators did, in fact, pull the trigger after how many months, I guess, predating the trade deadline. Well, so they said 10, they, had, they were going to go into a rebuild. They decided to go into a rebuild in February. Yeah. But that they didn't decide to move Eric Carlson until July 1st and that there was and when there was no movement on the negotiation front, the contract negotiation front from their side. I don't know. I think this is a foregone conclusion long before July 1 that he was going to get traded. So it winds up being the Sharks after uh, a lot of Vegas talk. I think San Jose, a team always considered kind of circling around there. No doubt. Dallas as well in the running. But as kind of became the theme, you know, whether it was Tampa Bay, Dallas, we, you know, we heard kind of all along, they were not going to give up Miro Heiskanen in mm-hmm. this deal and probably not surprisingly, uh, sends fans not exactly tap dancing the return for Eric Carlson and Francis Perron. Don't forget Chris Tierney and then some youngsters, Dylan DeMello, Josh Norris, Rudolph's Balser. Balsers, ah, those, I think, Latvian names. You got to put those S's in for the Latvians. Trip you up a little bit. (laughs) First round pick in 19 or 20, second round pick 2019, conditional second rounder 2021, conditional first rounder no later than 2022. Yeah, there's some math to do there in the conditions and connecting some dots, but you get the point. There is a whole boatload of picks coming back to Ottawa. Just quickly, Rory, what was your initial reaction and what have you landed on now after having some some time to digest? I think my first reaction was the same as everybody else's that this is a, you know, it's a loss for the Ottawa Senators. And the more I look at it and step back, you realize they weren't going to win this situation. You're not going to get value back, top value back for Eric Carlson going into his last year. Everybody knows you're going to have to move him at some point here, too. 
you know, I, Chris Tierney's not bad. He was a third liner, uh, third line center on the San Jose Sharks, but he had no chance of moving into that top six behind Joe Thornton and Logan Couture. So I think he's a bit of a, an above average third line center. I think he's, he's probably capped at a two line center if he hits his potential, which he might do with the Ottawa Senators here now. So in the, in the here and now, that's not a bad pickup at all. Not a big fan of Dylan DeMello. I think that's kind of, you know, he's going to play some minutes for you and, and fill some hole on, on that back end for now. But Josh Norris is a first-round pick, a bit of a long-term uh, project prospect. Plus, you get the either 2019 or 2020 first-round pick. So you get two first-round picks back. That's not so bad. They're not going to be early first-round picks. Norris was 17th overall, I think. The Sharks should still be good a year from now if it does get pushed to 2020. So that's going to probably be a back half of the first round. But it's a first-round pick. It's an asset there. It's something that you can you can work with, especially since Ottawa doesn't have their own first-round pick this year, which... You know, it's just the disaster behind this whole thing. One takeaway that I wonder about from this trade, though, is that conditional first-round pick. So the Sens get a 2022, no later than 2022 first-round pick from the San Jose Sharks if Eric Carlson is on an Eastern Conference team's reserve list this year, meaning San Jose flips them to an Eastern Conference team like they did with Mike Hoffman, the Mike Hoffman clause. Does that mean Ottawa either was not negotiating, not willing to trade Eric Carlson to an Eastern Conference team if they were demanding so much that that basically took the Eastern Conference teams out of the equation. Should you be doing that? If you know you're trading this player, and he's Eric freaking Carlson, should you not just be trying to get the best trade for him wherever? Like, did Tampa offer something better than what San Jose gave up, but they went to San Jose because it wasn't enough to make up the difference of him staying in the Eastern Conference or not. To me, that's ludicrous. If if this ever comes out that they could have gotten more to keep him in the Eastern Conference and they chose not to, and then you know putting this ridiculous clause in, uh, I mean, that's cause for me to move on to a different GM. And especially if you just think of it as a trade for one year. I'm with yes. you all the way, and I have... A- I have a little, 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 little bit of sympathy for the, like, ideally, we wouldn't want to trade him in our division. I do get that in some circumstances. I still think at the end of the day, 99% of the time, make the best deal. Be confident in yourself. Be Mm -hmm. like, hey, if you're interacting with me, if we're doing a deal, I think I'm getting the best of you. But especially in this case where it's like... Ottawa, it's not like you're going to meet that team in the East final. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And then, so if you look at Columbus, so Columbus is facing this dilemma with Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky. Both of these guys are going to the final years of their deals. Panarin doesn't seem too keen on negotiating. Bobrovsky was really, you know, he had some (laughs) ominous comments when he got to training camp saying he's told Columbus where he's at. They know where he's at. And this this is just going to, they know what my number is. Exactly. (laughs) So if you're Columbus and you face the proposition of having to trade one of these guys, or maybe even both of them, I mean, you are still going for the Stanley Cup. If you trade one of them, I think you still have designs on getting something back that's going to push you. In that instance, don't trade I don't him want to Pittsburgh. Him in, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. that's Panarin, different. you're not going to Pittsburgh. But Ottawa, like you said, they're not competing with any of these teams, so you have to be trying to get the oh, best value back. my God. Like, I mean, this is not even speculation, just crazy, bizarro land talk, but... Could you imagine if Tampa actually was like, yeah, we, we'd give you Sergachev straight up. Like, oh, oh geez, my goodness. I don't if know. Oh, if that ever comes out, I mean, <laughs> it, it's, it's all these assets that might be good versus Sergachev, who you pretty much know is going to be a good impact player. Maybe this package that they get back from San Jose turns out being good. Bolster sounds like he's got some potential here. There was a, at a, least there's a lot of stuff, you know, like, I yeah, mean, there's stuff, there is, but you're just throwing stuff at the wall and hoping something you are sticks. Kind of, that's right. You but are. if Sergei Chen was ever on the table, I mean, sure. <laughs> that's an automatic. Well, and you know what? We'll do this quick and then we'll get back to the more philosophical discussion about moving UFAs like Carlson, like Pacioretty, the Habsit, and then Panarin and Bobrovsky. But let's do a quick diversion to Tampa. And the reason Sergei probably wasn't was because Steve Eisenman was their GM up until about a week ago. We haven't had a time to talk about Stevie Y as well i mean it, it sure just kind of seems like something you can take at face value for now like this is a guy who's been running yeah. himself ragged for a long long time just wants a little more time with the family i think we all know uh the speculation that he is going to detroit will be there until he signs a 10-year contract to be somewhere else to do something else but mm-hmm. i mean you you have to even when something let's just say quote unquote goes wrong or bad for tampa like 
it's remarkable how well positioned that organization is to say, well, this guy who we've got who five other teams have probably been eyeing as their GM, yeah. we'll just keep him, keep our momentum going, keep Stevie Y in the building. And, and who knows, depending on, I mean, how much, if Eiserman truly does want to transition a little out of like all kinds of heavy lifting, maybe he's happy to be a well-paid Tampa advisor who's based in Detroit you know, for the first five years of Breezeball's career. Sure, and that would help Breezeball. But Breezeball is like Tampa Bay's Kyle Dubas, yeah. right? He's been bred to be a GM for years and years and years. He was part of the Montreal organization before Tampa Bay, and I know a lot of Habs fans were calling for him to be their GM before he moved to Tampa. That was the first hire, Steve Eisenman. I, I believe it was the first hire. It was like a month after he was hired as the Tampa GM to bring in Breezeball as his assistant, and he... You know, for all these young players that we talk about, Stevie Y bringing along as GM, they almost all of them came through the AHL farm system, which was run by Breeze Boss. So um, obviously this guy has got a great track record. There's a lot to believe in here. I think Steve Eisenman is going to end up as a Detroit GM. He's GM. Yeah. I mean, that's where his family is. That's where he's been traveling from to go down to Tampa when he's needed to. Ken Holland just signed a two-year extension, so if if Eisenman stays with the Lightning through the end of his contract, he'll still have a year out there before the Red Wings. Maybe he joins them as an advisor and then is transitioned out. I don't know if, where Ken Holland is though. Is he still has he done enough in that organization? Even though Mike Illich has passed away, is no longer there that they're going to let him be their GM for as long as he wants. Is it time to transition out of that? If it is, Eisenman might be walking into. Almost the same situation he was with Tampa, a team that missed the playoffs three years in a row. Although I would think you I think the Red Wings have a better prospect base, young player base to build off of. Had, had a nice 2018, obviously with Zadina yeah. and Velarde kind of. Yeah, for sure. Dylan right Larkin's still there. You know, you got you got some. You know, Mantha. These guys are still. I think the best is to come for them. So he might be walking into a just a nicely timed situation. And if he can do the same thing he did in Tampa, you know, you draft well later on. Andre Pallet was a seventh round pick. Um, you know, the guys who were completely passed over in drafts, they got as free agents. Yanni Gord is the big one who broke out last year. I mean, it might be a nice fit for both sides, Iserman and Detroit, for him to slide in there, and he could take them to new heights. I said Velarde meant Valeno, Joe Valeno, Valeno falling yes. toward uh, the, uh, the end of the first round well yeah definitely something that's going to be occupying if not the front burner but some back some back uh burner chat throughout until stevie wise situation comes fully into focus let's get back to those free agents and sort of the the big picture conversation you can have and you know one thing we didn't mention as a positive for ottawa in this deal it's just the fact that it's done now right like it would have been rough to have to live through the when's it gonna happen and we saw as well with the Canadians, you know, they, before the golf tournament came just a few hours before it was time to tee off, they resolved the max patch ready thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that does kind of have some value. And I've been saying, I haven't been in the T2T booth saying this, but, and I swear to God, I'm not trying to, <laughs> I feel like I have said this sense before. I'm not trying to kick sand in the Islanders fans faces, but you know, you think about, you go back to this time last year and a different regime with Garth Snow, but it seems totally reasonable to have gone to Tavares at that point and said as you know quietly and respectfully as possible, look, we know he's still got a year left, but you're so important to us that, you know, this is something we kind of have to resolve. So just know if, if you can't commit before the start of camp, we will have to think about trading you just because yeah. we can't face the prospect of not having you around. Had they gone out and traded him exactly one year ago while well, now, 12 months later, you'd have the package you got for John Tavares, which would be, I think, probably pretty, good. pretty tasty, especially Something if it was comparable to Carlson. Yeah. Maybe. And like, say, especially if you could do it quietly, the, the Islanders did just have a nice draft as it was, but it probably could have been even nicer because if they finished without John yep. Tavares last year. They presumably would have been even lower in the standings. They may still have ended up taking the same two players. Yeah, they may have. That's right. They, the, the two Dobson Wallstrom did fall. Um, but who knows, yeah, right? Who knows? Their laws of winning the yep. lottery go up. And now you'd also have, as we know, time heals all. You would have had 12 months to get over it. So if I was sitting here in this alternate universe as an Isles fan, I'd be like, well, it's heartbreaking. Johnny left, but we got a bunch of stuff for him. We got a couple more good draft picks. 
OPS, we discovered this Barzell guy who, oh, maybe his season wouldn't be quite as good because he wasn't insulated by Tavares, but you'd still be looking at him going, this is amazing. Oh, and we finally resolved our arena situation. Mm -hmm. So while I'd love to have Tavares, you know what? I feel pretty good. But instead, I think we all know how it went and how they must feel. And now you mentioned Columbus. I there's a very good case to be made in a lot of situations that you take the Montreal, the Ottawa approach and just trade those guys. Columbus with Panarin and Bobrovsky, I think we would agree could be a real Eastern conference contender. Is that a case where, and now this is the other thing you bring into it. It's the market. Mm -hmm. It's the complete lack of playoff success on your dance card that, I mean, it's one thing if you're kind of coming toward the end of a run and everyone's been spoiled, but it would mean so much to that market to go deep and be so disheartening to see those guys get traded away that you'd almost rather just take your chances with them and let the chips fall where they may. Panarin's probably gone. Maybe you can talk Bobrovsky into staying, mm-hmm. but at least you go into the playoffs with those two guys and and take your best swing at it. Yeah, th- that situation is different. I mean, they looked like they were going to knock off the Washington Capitals in the first two yeah. games last year. They looked you like they were... You almost forget that now that yeah. the, the Cup champs are finally getting back. It was 2-0, uh, right? Yeah, two, was, two nothing yeah. Columbus. In Washington, in right? In Washington, yeah. yeah. Uh, so... I don't think that they like there's this is a different situation. They shouldn't be selling off either of those players unless they're getting something back that they think keeps them at least as good because they are definitely going for the cup. Those are two situations where I, I would understand them going through the season, keeping them trying their run at the cup. And if neither of them want to stay and they leave by a free agency, it's going to suck, but you can see the thinking there. You can see what the reasoning was, why it happened that way, why it played out. Uh, you know, Montreal couldn't go through this season without trading Max, Max Pacioretty if he wasn't going to sign a contract or if they weren't interested in signing a contract. Whatever the heck is going on in that situation, sure. he wasn't staying. So that was off the table. Ottawa can't go through this season and not sign Mark Stone and Matt Duchesne by the trade deadline. If if you don't have those guys under contract by the trade deadline, they have to be traded. There's no question about that. Columbus being a contender is a little different. So I've seen stories about the, you know, the, the John Tavares decision from a player's perspective. The guys go through that Chicago media availability, uh, the BioSteel camp here. You know, they ask the players, "Does this change the way you look at the th- at everything? Does it change the game at all now that uh, with players heading towards unrestricted free agency? Does it change from a management perspective now?" Do you have to get that assurance? Because the reason why the Islanders didn't trade John Tavares, uh, I saw, was you know you have that chance to keep your guy. And if you have this chance to keep a superstar and you can sign him for eight years, as long as you have that chance, you got to keep him. you got to take that risk. But now that that superstar has left, one guy has done it, do you not want to take that risk anymore as a team that's, eh, you know, you're on the cusp of maybe making the playoffs, maybe not. Definitely, if you're a bottom feeder team, I think you have to be inspired to move that guy. Is it more risky to go through the trade deadline without having that guy under contract? Should should front offices be changing the way they look at these things and saying, hey, if we don't have you under contract by the trade deadline, we got to get what we can for you. And maybe we maybe we can still sign you on July 1. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, well, that's the kicker, too. You still might be able to, but I, it's just... I mean, I wonder if the Stamkos thing lulled us to sleep a little bit on this. And we had this example of, oh, see, it can, you know, yeah. you can go through the whole wire and, and it can be happily ever after. Because, I mean, uh, I think that w- I really do think that colored the Tavares thing where we all believed right up until the very end. When push comes to yeah. shove, no one leaves. And, yeah, I, I do think it has to alter the way you look at it as someone who's running a team saying, I mean, the the biggest fear is losing guys for nothing. And unless you're in that position, like we talked about with Columbus, where you're saying, look, we're just at a point in our history mm-hmm. where we got to put our best foot forward. If you're not there, man, get something. Second round draft picks might play in your team exactly. in two years. Exactly. And in that case, if you're trading these guys at the deadline, you're not going to get the best value. But if you can get picks back, give me, sure. give me a couple second round picks. Maybe I can get a first round pick for a guy or something like that. Or a guy who was picked in the first round a couple of years ago, whatever it is, just give me some lottery tickets that maybe one of them hits and I can end up winning this thing in the end. Because if I'm going to lose them for anything, I'd rather have something, whatever the heck that is to take a chance on than risk losing the guy for nothing. That, that that's how it got to be off the table. So the Dallas stars have to feel really good <laughs> about getting Tyler Sagan. Cause that's something that would certainly yeah. follow them towards the deadline. Yeah, absolutely. Well, 
One thing that uh, follows uh, Phil Kessel around uh, oftentimes are chuckles. I mean, Phil is... Uh, <laughs> we had a great big read on Phil Kessel, by the way, last Chris, weekend. Shout out to Christina yeah, Rutherford. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think by this point, his reputation is pretty well known as like, he's, he might not be the most gregarious guy in the world, but Phil's a character. And he is has inspired... Another segment here on TTT, and rather than me explain it, I, I mean, I think it's probably just best to to let Phil uh, take it away. Same old, you know. I mean, we've all <laughs> felt it before, right? Oh yeah. How was your day, Every Monday Rory? morning. Every Monday morning. <laughs> so, <laughs> Phil, that beautiful uh, soundbite from Penguins Camp has inspired us to to drum up this segment to think of a few things that. We think, for lack of a better way of putting it in your head, when you hear it or see it, you're like, meh, same old. And you got a couple, Roy, a couple. <laughs> one, one in honor of uh, of training camp kicking off. What's the uh, same old, same old we hear whenever, every year. <laughs> every year? Player X is at camp in the best shape of oh, his I've life. Oh, I've just been, oh, I yeah. got a new trainer this summer. <laughs> I'm in the, just... Milan Lucic is in the best shape of his life. He's going to score 30 for the Edmonton Oilers this year. Yeah, right. I don't believe any of this until I see it, especially today. All these guys are always training all summer. If you're not, you're behind the game. If you are, I mean, you're just keeping pace with everybody else. You're just earning your millions, that's (laughs) all. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear any player being in the best shape of their life at this point in the season. Show me what you're going to do at the start of the regular season, and then I'll buy it. But until then, no, I don't think so. Another one, and uh, as soon as you mentioned this one to us when we were kicking ideas around, I was like, yes, it's very true. Another thing that sort of deserves uh, the the same commentary from Phil is when fans lose their mind about a third jersey. (laughs) So now we have the Jets Jets. have released theirs, and apparently didn't meet with the high uh, fashion taste of a good portion no. of the of the segment. It the, is the same old, same old, right? It, like it is. The the blue is a little off. It's a little different than their uh, regular blue. You got to change it up. And it's got the script jets over the top of it. When I first saw, it, I was like, "Yeah, that's that doesn't look too bad. I, it's not bad." Then you went on Twitter, and, and then I checked Twitter. <laughs> I should have known. It's like, never read the comments. Never read the Facebook comments. Never read the Twitter reactions after a team puts out a new third jersey. It's so predictable. <laughs> Every time Team Canada does one for an Olympics or whatever, it's the same old And, and the stuff. spirit of it is, is always like, hey, we're trying something fun and new here. I hate it! <laughs> you're, you're not going to see these jerseys very much uh, anymore. I'm just thankful that there's no black on it. Any, if you put out, that's the only Jersey that deserves that kind of condemnation. If they put it out, if you've got black on your Jersey, no, 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 that should be off the table. Now give me oranges, give me, you know, purples, give me bright colors. I don't want to see any blacks on any new jerseys anymore. All right. Let's have Phil take us out one more time. Same old, you know? Yes, that's it, Philly. That is it right there. Well, <laughs> on the other side of the break, we are going to have a man who is never short for words, Nick Alberga is swinging by. Nick's going to tell us just his general thoughts on the eighteen nineteen season, what to look for as we move toward home openers, opening night in the NHL, and also all you fantasy players out there sifting through lists and going over reams and reams of stats. Nick's going to lend some of his expertise. He's already given his top 200 fantasy picks on the sportsnet.ca website he's going to come by and highlight some of the people you should be looking out for that is nick elberga coming up on the other side of the break on tape to tape In the booth, 
It's already a little louder in here. It is Nick Alberga. <laughs> Nick, how you doing? Fantastic. I uh, played some NHL uh, with uh, Rory last night. He, he's still really good at the game. That's about yeah? as yeah. much as credit I'll give him. You know, I pass him the puck and he can't score. So just, just well, get no, it I'm, to me. I'm a playmaker and then Rory doesn't finish <laughs> and somehow it's my fault. Like I'm a legend at that game. Let's be honest. Well, you have to include that in your already lengthy uh, Twitter bio. It's Nick has uh, joined the Sportsnet family as a fantasy writer. We're going to get into that a little bit. He is, of course, on uh, Hockey Central Saturday, along with Rory on the the Sportsnet Radio Network, host of Ice Cap and Off the Rush on the Sirius XM NHL Radio Network. But hey, man, you're just here to wrap a little hockey. Let's uh, let's just get some general impressions on 1819 before we get into those uh, those fantasy picks. Uh, Anything stand out to you here? Some, you know, whatever we are, three weeks still away from uh, dropping the puck. Oh, certainly. And, and living in Toronto, you can start there with John Tavares joining the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm, I'm so curious to see how that works out. Uh, I know we're still waiting as we speak right now for William Nylander to sign a new contract. Uh, the big thing for me, guys, is the Pacific Division. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen there? Because I'll be honest, and I maybe I'm the only one, I, I'm bullish on the Edmonton Oilers. Let's not forget, oh, wow. we were in here, I think, a year ago. And we're conversing about the upcoming season and everybody was picking the Edmonton Oilers to win the Stanley Cup. The roster hasn't changed much, has it? Yeah, not appreciably. No, That's why I don't like maybe, them. Maybe, they, yeah, maybe we were just dumb last <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, but I, you know, there, there's parts and reasons of me of why I suggest the Oilers A will make the playoffs and B will make some hay. Connor McDavid's Connor McDavid. I, I would not be shocked if he gets 120 plus points. Mm-hmm. Just who he is. I watch him every summer at Biosteel Camp. He's really good at hockey. Um, Dry Settle, I think, could take another step. The big guy for me is Jesse Puliyarvi, and it was up in my article the other day on Sportsnet.ca. I think he takes a leap in the right direction. With all due respect to Ty Ratty, I know right now he's penciled in as the the winger on 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 the right wing with Connor McDavid. I'm not sure how long that's going to last. Um, I think Paul Yarvey eventually will find his way on that line. And I think another big reason, the goaltending. If you look at the splits for Cam Talbot uh, the last couple of years, above three in terms of goals against uh, under 9-10 in save, save percentage last year, that's awful. And I think his career numbers will show you that he wasn't as bad as his numbers last year. And you look at his numbers two years ago, even somewhere in between the numbers from two years ago and last year, I think it's a much different Oilers team. What about over in the East? You mentioned mm-hmm. the least that's really with Tavares. Uh, let's be real. It's a question of how good will it go? Will it go, uh, you know, upper crust, top of the mountain good or uh, get past the first round of the playoffs good? Do you like the lease in that division? Do you like Tampa Bay? And uh, and what do you see shaking out in the Metro where uh, PS, the defending cup champs and the team that's won the cup uh, the past three winners have come from the Metro, of course, with the, the pens going back to back. Yeah, it really is amazing, too, uh, that, you know, last year we're going into the season. Everybody was talking about Pittsburgh, how they could three-peat. Nobody is talking about the Washington Capitals no. repeating. You know? <laughs> Do they Which want to play or just keep partying? But I mean, yeah. <laughs> Ovechkin was on a bender of a lifetime. Oh, you know? I think God. he still might be. It was that. like similar to me at Fanshawe College, you know, no sleep, <laughs> just a is it, couple is of keggers. It, <laughs> is it like, all right, the hangover is going to last forever yeah. and they just don't care? Or is it's it going to be like, hangover. we got one. Let's just play loose and Open see what happens. Gates. Yeah, who the knows? Gates, well, that's what that's what worked in their favor last year, right? Supposedly, sure. they didn't have the pressure on them anymore. I still don't get how gone. that team won the Stanley. I don't get it. I don't understand how wonderful. they got past Columbus in round one. I but don't get. that I'm still. still trying to get past game two, and I was in Vegas for game one and two. I don't know how I got there, but I got there because I had to be there. That tuck save, yeah, like, changed mm-hmm. the dynamics of that whole cup run. Yeah, and, I agree. You know, I'll be honest. I was sort of looking down when that save happened. I'm like, ah, oh, they're not going to tie it. I was getting ready. You know what nightclub I'm going to go to tonight. And then they make that save. And I'm like, holy smokes. Like this series is finally benefiting and going, you know, their way. I think the Capitals certainly will be another contender this year. They got a lot of strong dynamics uh, up the middle. Of course, um, when you start with the Atlantic division, I still feel like the cream of the crop in the Eastern conference is the Tampa Bay Lightning. There's a lot of depth in that team. I like their back end. It's leaps and bounds better than any team, I would say, in the Eastern Conference, including the Toronto Maple Leafs. I do feel people need to temper their expectations on the Leafs because I do think Tampa's way better than them still. I think Boston. Way better, yeah. I, like I a do. clear cut above, yeah. Well, if you look at their decor, and I know a lot of people make that, you know, too much of that maybe in Toronto of the decor. I just think when you have the luxury of having a Victor Hedman and Anton Strawman, who's on a contract here, a Ryan McDonough, who they bring in for the New York Rangers. Those three are probably number ones on the Maple Leafs, right? Like, uh, I don't think McDonough. I probably I would say not Morgan, McDonough. Morgan, Morgan Riley's, Riley's a, number two in those power exactly, rankings, I would right? Agree. Yeah. yeah. 
I would agree. Uh, I'm not as bullish on him. Uh, Sergachev's another guy too, yeah. right? Like, yeah, the, the Leafs don't have it's that. It's an embarrassment of riches. Then you look at what they have up front. Um, I think it's a wash between Vasilevsky and Frederick Anderson. Like, don't get me wrong. I yeah. think the Leafs are a really, really good team. Um, I think Boston is seasoned. They know how to win hockey games when it matters most. We've seen that in the past. And that, you know, so they have the best line in hockey. Exactly. Bradley, yeah. So it's going to be closer. I think Toronto picking up Tavares has made them closer to Boston. Clearly they go to game yeah. seven with that team, but I still wouldn't put them past the Tampa Bay landing. If that makes sense. I have questions about Vasilevsky, yeah? even though he was a Vezina finalist after, and you, you know, I love my January 1st it's called split. fatigue. They had no backup goalie. They get, they, they allow so many shots. Yeah. Vasilevsky after January 1st, his save percentage was below 910. It was like in Cam Talbot territory. And so I just, I worry about him being able to sustain that. Anderson faces a similar workload, but he doesn't really fade. He, he starts poorly. He doesn't fade until maybe the playoffs recently. I, th- that's key to me is the Leafs have backup options. They can play Garrett Sparks or Curtis McElhaney or mm-hmm. whoever and give Freddie Anderson fewer starts, leave them rested. Tampa Bay doesn't really have that same option. I, I, I have questions about him. It's remarkable. We've gone, what, seven minutes and Rory hasn't brought up his cats yet. <laughs> Sasha Barkov, the captain. Let's go. No, I, I think, you know, people are not putting much stock in that in that Panthers team. They're sneaky good. Like oh, they, yeah. They have a lot of really, really good pieces there. I like the Mike Hoffman pickup. Make of it what you will, what yep. he'd be in the in the locker room, but he's a really good, good hockey pickup. player. Yeah. Um, Borkstrom's another guy starting maybe on a third line we'll center see. role, but he's going to be in a top Depends six Depends what they want to do. I, I, yeah. I wonder, they could make a really skilled third line with yeah. Borkstrom. Maybe Tippett makes the team. Tippett I'm not really filthy, sure. I'm telling you. Like, yeah. He is. But. Dale Talon is still in that old school mode. Yeah. And I I wonder if they instead make a classic, you know, dump and chase grind third line. And that <laughs> that freaks me out a little really bit. Still do Derek that, McKenzie. Do uh, well, yeah, I mean, the, 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 look at the acquisitions that he's made since being returned to GM. Like sure. they, there's been a focus on bringing in quote unquote character guys with, with with grit. So I wonder if that's the way they go. And then the other big question mark for the Panthers is their goalies, mm-hmm. even though Luongo is great when he's healthy. That's the thing. When he's healthy, James Reimer's a little bit more shaky, quite a bit more shaky, but he's also got injury concerns and there's no third option there. So you just got to wonder if those guys can hold up over 18. Well, games. didn't they pick up Michael Hutchinson? Okay. I don't believe in Michael. Hutchinson. <laughs> <laughs> I still have got someone like, why, why was Harry Sateri not a guy they wanted to bring back, but maybe he didn't want to come back. Yeah. Maybe he didn't. I, I don't know. The story behind that. He was okay. He was okay. But again, like if you have to go with but Harry Sateri for a long time, yeah. you, I think you nailed that. it. Like I, I think the Panthers will be a team that competes, but it all stems in the goaltending. And you can say that for the majority of teams sure. around the NHL. They're right? going to start thinking about what they're going to do soon after Roberto Luongo. Cause he makes just over $3 million yeah. salary this year. Next year, that's when it starts dropping to $1 million. And he's got one of those long, long-term contracts going to Seattle. You know, does he retire? Does Vancouver get totally burned on uh, the, the blowback from that? If it does happen, does he do the Henrik Zetterberg? What, you know, what we've seen many times from these guys who retire because they're injured and nobody gets penalized. I just don't see him playing out the rest of that contract and they don't have a goalie of the future. Really? Yes. Yeah. It's similar to uh sort of Zetterberg, um, Shea Weber, Montreal. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see uh, David Poyle's face when uh, he retires early. If you know yeah. what I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. oh, buddy, <laughs> that's how you screw up the natural predators. <laughs> <laughs> well, you uh, alluded to some of the guys, uh, even in the course of that Oilers talk that come into our fantasy play. I mean, Nick, I think anyone who's in uh Whatever kind of draft uh, you can name, Connor McDavid is the first guy off the board. But I'll start with this. Are there some guys who you see ready to push from like maybe the they've been 60-ish point guys to guys who maybe are ready to become more like point per game players? Kind of take that jump. Yeah, that's a really good question. And every year, frequently, a lot of people ask me, knowing I play fantasy hockey all the time, is who's like the next guys? Um, the two guys I'm really pimping here in the offseason leading into the regular season, number one is Sebastian Ajo with the Carolina Hurricanes, who uh, the pedigree and numbers have shown that he's ready to take the next step. But my wonder is that team just doesn't want to pick up a first-line center. I know they don't grow on trees. I know it's difficult to make a trade like that. Ideally, I would love to see Derek Broussard there or Matt Duchesne there one day in Carolina as a fit. But Sebastian Ajo is certainly a look. Andre Svechnikov will likely play with him on that top line. And another guy is Miko Rantanen. Does not get a lot of play no. with the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, he was phenomenal last year. 
most likely will be on a line with um, Nathan McKinnon. Um, and, and that line's had some serious chemistry and a lot of jump for like 60 games last year. So those are two guys I'd bring up. Uh, a guy who never gets enough credit in the fantasy world is Mark Shifley with the Winnipeg mm-hmm. Jets. Um, he's all world, provides so much in terms of leadership and more so in a, a point production game in fantasy hockey. So I would look at him. There, there, there's so many different options. Like this year, I'm, I'm, I'm high on a Leon Dreisaitl or yeah. Temi Panarin. I think Taylor Hall takes a bit of a blip this year. I don't know if you saw his uh, Apple turnover the other night in uh, preseason action. Maybe it's a a forecast of things to come for the New Jersey Devils. (laughs) But it's sort of interesting, too, when you've got to think long game uh, in terms of fantasy hockey and ideally where you see teams going. Um, I think last year you look at a team like Vegas, got a lot of people, you know, sexy, so to speak, in, in that team, in that file. I know you're going going into the fantasy season. I'm like, well, Vegas is not going to have a guy in the top 150. And they had a multitude of guys, William Carlson, Jonathan Marsh. So uh, Marc-Andre Fleury was impeccable for that team. And I think you, everybody's trying to find that diamond in the rough now. And I think you have to look outside the box. That's why I'm really pimping the Montreal Canadiens. I think Carey Price comes back to form. I don't know if it's going to lead to much more wins. I know in fantasy circles you want victories, but I think his numbers are going to be really stellar. I just For a guy who gets paid that much money, and there seems to be a theme over the last decade, we'll say, where guys sign a, a contract. Year one, they really struggle to live up to expectations. Year two, they take off. A prime example I always bring up is Andre Kopitar, who got the captaincy, uh, a massive contract, really struggled in his first year. And last year, he, he was a front runner. Um, for the heart trophy. So I'm not saying it happens to everybody, but you have to sort of monitor and analyze some of those situations. So how about some more sleepers? Sorry, where I jumped right in, but I get excited yeah. uh, talking about fancy <laughs> hockey. Um, these would be guys more like I'm thinking, you know, they've maybe hit a, a 30 points kind of thing as forwards or, or even fewer as defensemen, but guys who you think could become seriously relevant, take a leap to, you know, go from someone who's putting up uh, whatever, 11 goals and and 33 points to like 60 points kind of thing. That's a good question. Um, You know, I have a a Robbie Fabry who sustained a lot of injury concerns over the last couple of years, but coming back and hopefully healthy this season, um, there's always been expectations on that player. And I know he's really struggled again with injuries, but I'd look at him and maybe being in a top six role and really, really taking off, Um, you know, just scouring my list right here. Pavel Bushnevich is another guy with the New York Rangers, um, new head coach and David Quinn. Um, who wants to play a more up-tempo game. Um, I think we've seen in the past with Alain Vigneault, if you're his favorite, he's going to play you to the ground. If you're not, then you're not going to get the looks. Um, Bushnevich definitely got you know, more ice time last year. He's in a contract year and likely to be on that top line for the Rangers with not much expectation uh, playing with Zibanejad and Kreider. So I would definitely look at uh, Bushnevich as a guy. Uh, Jake Gardner is a guy who got 50 points last year. He's on a contract here. Another guy's Val Nachushkin coming back from the KHL. Uh, I'm pretty high on him. Uh, showed flashes of brilliance in his first couple seasons before electing to go back to the K. So I think he finds himself on a top six role. Uh, Nolan Patrick is another guy with the Philadelphia Flyers. I think a lot of teams are looking at Sean Katori. I'm not sure I expect the same production we saw from Katori last year. He's been known as a more of a two-way yeah. guy and really burst under the scene last year. So Nolan Patrick, if you look at his splits in the last half of his rookie campaign, he was remarkable. And I think that will continue here. Um, into this season. I think a bounce back guy, a veteran like Corey Perry, who really hit the tubes last year in terms of production health is a big thing with him. Like there's so many avenues, so many guys you can go uh, even a Max Domi. I think whether he be center or wing, I think is going to be decent. Uh, Jonathan drew on that note too. Um, my theory of guys who are traded sometimes year one, they struggle year two. They really start to take off. So I would certainly take a flyer and a guy um, like drew N. Uh Cal Turris is another guy I'd throw out there. Uh, Will Butcher's on a contract here. Um, Brandon Sod's another guy with Chicago. Look, there's a lot of names, and I encourage a lot of people, and we will have a mailbag on sportscent.ca um, all season long and a weekly thing for me to uh, put up and ask your questions uh, about players because, again, I have my top 200, but it goes mm-hmm. uh, above and beyond that, Ray. Can I interest you in an Andre Kasha? I think this guy has got some potential. 38 points, I think it was, last year. Bob Murray talked about that team needing to be faster this year, and they didn't change anything. Uh, Kasha was eighth in goals per 60. Didn't play a ton of minutes. He was mostly, I guess, a third liner. Mm -hmm. But 
you got to move on from Corey Perry. I think Kasha's a guy who could potentially move his way up into the top six, maybe even that top line and be in a really good spot. He's a good skater. And if you're playing, if, if he can manage to get his way onto Getzloff's wing, he could really explode. Yeah, that's fair. And I, I still wonder why Nick Ritchie's without a contract. Yeah. I don't know what the holdup is with this guy's negotiation. I don't think he's ever going to be that first round pick that they chose years ago. Like he hasn't materialized again. So many opportunities. That's a, definitely a good guy to take a flyer on and Andre Kasha. I'm a guy in Anaheim who have my eye on because it is a contract year and Rory, you know, I'm big on contract years <laughs> and, and John Carlson can say a thing or two about that. Carter Hutton as well. Uh, Jacob Silverberg, um, who mm-hmm. should be a right wing option on the second line. Corey Perry, you never know with his health, but I think Silverberg's a guy I'm really dialed in on because if you look at sort of his correlation after that deal and the Bobby Ryan deal years ago with the Ottawa Senators and Anaheim Ducks is that he was going in the right direction, kept improving and increasing his point totals and somehow just sort of hit a wall last year. Um, I think he's an option. And do not sleep. And I know I put a, a list on of fantasy rookies the other day on SportsCenter.ca as well. Uh, Troy Terry is another guy, a mm. wild card guy. Nobody is really talking about dynamic talent and I'm with you. Um, I really struggle to find a place for Anaheim in the Stanley Cup playoffs going forward this season. And I think it is paramount and it's tough because of the head coach and Randy Carlisle and the general manager, Bob Murray, of putting some young talent and some young, fresh, you know, talent in this roster. And and they have to do that, I think, to stay afloat, especially in that Pacific division. I want to ask you fantasy fallout for this Eric Carlson trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the San Jose Sharks were one of those teams whose top power play unit was four forwards, one defenseman, that defenseman being Brent Burns. I don't like, I don't know. Are they going to go and use those two defensemen back there? Are they going to split them up on the power play? I imagine they're splitting them up at five on five to have one of them on the ice pretty much all game long. Uh, did Carlson going to San Jose change your fantasy outlook for him better or worse? Is it, is it the exact same? How do you look at him? Really is an embarrassment of riches. And I had been saying for about a month that San Jose made the most sense. Um, it was clear they were big game hunting here in the off season. They didn't get John Tavares. They didn't get Max patch ready. They didn't get Jeff Skinner. Um, not a bad uh, guy to get in Eric Carlson. Um, I think in terms of fantasy stock, this is more positive for Carlson than it is Brent Burns. And I'll tell you the prime reason, Mark Edward Vlasic. Um, mm-hmm. It's more likely you're going to put Carlson in a, a scenario, a Mark Mathot type scenario where you have Vlasic, maybe one of the best shutdown defensemen in the game. Mathot times 200. Yeah. And that'll allow, <laughs> I, I think, Carlson to really go do his thing offensively. He's coming down what we call a, a down season, but what do you have, like 62 points? Yeah, it's still excellent. I, yeah, like I, <laughs> I think he'll benefit greatly from playing with a Mark Edward Vlasic. And on the power play, I've had theories of maybe having Brent Burns on the wing and having Carlson on the point quarterbacking things and maybe a Logan Couture on the other point. Like it really it. is an embarrassment of riches. It's hard to believe that Evander Kane, who who signed a pretty mega deal here, an extension with San Jose could be on the second power play unit. But it's a, it's a good issue, I would say, for Peter DeBoer to have. That team is pretty spicy. Although I ask you this question, I'll turn this around to you guys, and I ask this on my radio show. What would have impacted the San Jose Sharks more? Acquiring Eric Carlson, which they did, or signing John Tavares? Because I'm more inclined to think John Tavares over Eric Carlson. I would say only, I mean, you use the term embarrassment of riches there a couple yeah. times, and it's like you do kind of already have that dynamic in Burns. Maybe no one, not even Burns, is quite to Carlson's level in terms of producing from back there. But yes, I do just think the middle of the ice in the forward group falls out so nicely if you can put Tavares at number one, and yeah. then you can roll uh, whether it's, I guess, Couture yeah. uh, or or uh, Thornton as your second one. Um, I mean, that those guys as the spine of your lineup. Have you seen their bottom the six now with stripping Tierney? Yeah. It's, it's, it's not pretty. And I think the ideal. one thing, guys, we learned from Washington and Vegas going to the Stanley Cup final is Depp's going to win out. Pittsburgh as well, right? Yeah. You can yeah. have the sexiest players, uh, the, a very star-studded roster, but no depth. You're, you're unlikely to do much. And you don't need the star defenseman. They're, you no. know, neither... Uh, Carlson, John Carlson was the only defenseman in Sportsnet's top 100 player rankings who was in the Stanley Cup final last exactly. year. I mean, the Pittsburgh Penguins won a cup without Chris Letang when he was out injured. So I don't think you need that. And then also for, for San Jose, I mean, the long-term impact of having John Tavares when Joe Thornton is sitting on the precipice of retirement yeah. there yeah. is also a huge factor. So anyway, give me the choice. I'm going to take Tavares here, but I still think you are sitting pretty. You got some questions about that depth for sure. But, uh, you know, if, if 
if you have one of Burns or Carlson on the ice literally yeah. all game long, it helps offset having a weaker bottom six a little bit. I sure. Think. You have a puck mover, a guy who can skate the puck. You know, I don't want to get into it, but I still don't see how the Ottawa Senators traded their captain to a team that just fleeced them like a month before. Well, like, that's why you got the Mike Hoffman clause in there, I guess, right? <laughs> that but... is a joke to me. That you can, <laughs> There's no other team you trade with. Let's trade to the team that, hey, we, we set this guy back in your division. Have fun with that. Yeah. But, <laughs> it is funny. Really special. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you about... Yeah, uh, let's do it. So, what, what do you use in fantasy? You obviously use goals, assists... Uh, I imagine you don't use plus minus in your top 200 player ranking. No, I, do. I don't think, Oh, you did have plus minus. You didn't have hits. You didn't have yeah hits. So I often get this question and it's a really good question. Cause a lot of people have different standards to what they play for. A lot of people go really, really deep with face-offs and have fun with that. That's all I'm saying. Um, essentially what's happened this year in the standard leagues, although my rankings are more on penalty minutes, cause I'm not a big fan of either, but penalty minutes have changed to hits, which there's no hitting in the league. So I don't know why you have hits in fantasy hockey, but so be it. Um, it usually is based on goals, like minor based on goals, assists, power play points. You can put points in there as well. It's really redundant, uh, shots on goal, PIMS, And then for goaltenders, your, your average, your standard, your wins, your GA save percentage and shutouts. Uh, it's, you know, it's pretty standard right there. I think why people try to get more and more stat categories in there is to sort of have a balance and a discrepancy in points. Right. Um, so I'm not a big fan of penalty minutes and hits. For up to me, it would just be point-based, but it's not up to me. And goalies? Right. Yeah, last one, goalies. Goalies uh, to look at? Yeah, yeah how do you approach you... drafting goalies, I guess? Who, who, are you, who are you targeting? Where would you pick them up? Who's a sleeper goalie that you think is going to excel and you're going to get good value on where you're picking them? Well, as I always say, you want to look at guys and you want to look at the, the big scheme of things and teams you think are going to be successful. So right away, the Winnipeg Jets seems to be everybody's pick, so they're not going to win it, I can tell you right now. <laughs> no, but Winnipeg's going to be a good team. Tampa's going to be a good team. Frederick Anderson with the Toronto Maple Leafs, your normal suspects. Um, don't over look Sergey Bobrovsky with the Columbus Blue Jackets. He's looking to maybe get some carry price money, if you know what I'm saying, if mm-hmm. he has that type of season. We know how many teams would die to have a goaltender of the ilk of Sergey Bobrovsky, so I would put him in that conversation. Uh, my wildcard sleeper this year, and maybe it's more so on what I talked about earlier and my, my feelings on the Edmonton Oilers, is Cam Talbot. Uh, most fantasy people out there, and rightfully so, it's very subjective. Have him outside the top 100. I have him inside my top 80. And it's more so because I think the Oilers are going to be a good team. Everything I noted earlier in the fact that I think he's going to be a massive bounce back candidate, something that's coming later on this week on sportsnet.ca. So I think you want to look at him, you know, going down the list, Semyon Varlamov's another guy who's on a contract here, not to mention, I think he has to be feeling the heat now that Philip Grubauer is in the fold there. And I think it's likely that Grubauer is going to be the goaltender of the future in Colorado. If he shows enough this season. So Varlamov has a lot of incentive to really do his thing this year and get some money in free agency. Um, You know, there's a variety of guys. I, you know, people will laugh at this, but Scott Darling is a guy who I think is going to be much better here in year two. He he was so dreadful. I know there's a lot of pressure and there is a lot of correlation in the past of goaltenders. It usually takes them about half a season when they try to become a number one goaltender. Anti Ranta, look at oh, his numbers. I was just going to yeah. say, did we yeah. talk about Ranta? I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. People are a little too <laughs> crazy on Ranta. Like, I, you look at that division, I don't know where Arizona's making the playoffs. I think Ranta's numbers were spectacular, but there was no pressure on that team to succeed in the second half. I, I do like him. Uh, Cam Talbot, again, is another example of a guy who took a while to get going so you want to look at uh, guys like that who maybe struggled or on the downfall a bit and maybe take off so Scott, Dar- Scott Darling's a guy I would take a flyer on at least even though Pecorine is on a yeah. team that's going to get a lot of wins are you fading him at all thinking that he's in a contract year but Nashville's got to start thinking about saving some dough here and there do they start to give you Saros some more starts for two reasons one to get him some looks to see if he is ready to take over number one possibly and two, to keep Rene rested for the playoffs. You know, that's the amazing thing. And it, it stems from last year's Stanley Cup playoffs, and it's a recency bias. Everybody just remembers Rene getting absolutely roasted and just ejected from, from the Stanley Cup playoffs. Forget this guy won the, uh, the Vesna Trophy. And we were reminded, of course, in June um, at, at the, the award show, like he still has a lot to give. 
I think it's a scenario where it's like a lifetime deal with with Nashville. Hey, we're going to keep you as long as you want to be here. We understand we have you, Saros. But I think in the past with teams, you know, Connor Hellebuck, John Gibson, it never hurts to be, you know, cautious with these youngsters and really sort of insulate them in. And who better than the reigning, you know, Vesna winner and a guy who's been, um, you know, an amazing goaltender for a decade now mm-hmm. in, in Pecorine. So I'm with you. I, I think Saros will get more and more starts, but... Um, I, I'm still optimistic that Rene is going to have numbers that are, are very, very fantasy relevant. And, you know, I think a lot of people should be jumping on that guy. But in this day and age, guys, and you guys can know this watching as much hockey as you do, you need two legitimate goaltenders sure. just yeah, because, definitely. you know, there's only a handful of guys who are legitimate number ones who, you know, um, even after a bad start, they're going to get the crease. So I think more times than not in this era of fantasy hockey, it's never a bad thing to go with a backup, um, especially um, a lot of coaches seem to go the route of, hey, you win me a game, you're back up. You know, like it's it's way different than the Marty Brodeur's days when he was playing mm-hmm. 70 games I, and Chris Terreri's eating popcorn on the bench. You know? I was just thinking, uh, I wonder what a coach feels is the ideal number for the goalie or what the general manager feels is yeah, the guy who's in charge of the big picture. 55? You think 50? I would, I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't want to go to 60. That's crazy. Crazy how much things have changed. Like you said, yeah. Marty or like the Grant Fuhr days back in the day. I feel like Fuhr had a 78 GP year. <laughs> I honestly think. Play Clearly they were better conditioned back yeah. then. Yeah, that must have been it. Darts were part of the regiment. Yeah. <laughs> Any, dart. Anyone who looks as good as Alberga does today must know what he's talking about. It's right? a picture we, should, we should tell the fans it is Sportsnet. Look for a on Sportsnet. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's the best thing. I like dress up and it's only giving me my beak on the picture. Yeah. You know? yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Why, both of us. Why are still laughing at me behind the glass here? Huh? <laughs> I don't get that. Well, as we expected, it has been fun having Mr. Alberga swing by. You can find him in all those places I listed XM, Sportsnet. Turn on a radio. You're probably going to hear him. Likely. Yeah. This has been fun, gentlemen. We're getting close. We're getting close. I'm going to be saying that here uh, for the next couple of weeks. But Who's your cup pick before we go? Oh, man. No, no I, I, I honestly have Come yet. on. My Hurricanes. No. <laughs> okay. We did a segment earlier in this show called The Same Old Bleep. You, Phil you, you heard Phil Kessel say it uh, yesterday. The Carolina Hurricanes are the same old bleep, okay? Every yeah. year they're the team that's Not finally going to break through. And, well, no. there's only limited no, spots, no, no. right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, <laughs> <laughs> guy's a legend. Just loves hot dogs and scoring oh goals. My God. And makes no bones about it. Yeah. That's the best part, right? Yeah. We're keeping our cup picks for later. I honestly Fine. haven't sketched it out yet. Tune in in a couple of weeks. We'll uh, we'll give it to you then. That is all the time we have this week. But make sure you're checking out the tape to tape pod wherever you get your pods. iTunes on Sportsnet.ca. Find Rory on Twitter. Rory Boylan. Nick, what's your uh, Twitter handle? At the Golden Muzzy. All right. And at Dixon on Sports. And check back next time for more glass rattling hockey action on Tape to Tape.